Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. WCW declares war on this edition of Beyond the Bell. WCW 101, the history of World Championship Wrestling presents Chapter 9, covering the historical beginning of the Monday Night War with the debut of WCW Monday Nitro. Welcome fans, I'm your host, Sean Beckerman, and on this edition, we go back in time to relive the debut episode of Nitro, the surprise return of the total package Lex Luger, the introduction of the cruiserweight division, and the Hulkster's turn to the dark side. Also, we follow the events leading up to the historic hostile takeover, which would change professional wrestling forever. All this and more after this quick timeout. The Monday Night War begins. Imagine a world with thousands of characters and epic gameplay. I'm going to need some more health here. Okay, that's enough health. Gamefly. Start your free trial at Gamefly.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell. After about a year of expectations not being met in WCW with the arrival of Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff's career was on the line in World Championship Wrestling. Ted Turner was completely behind Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan. He could not believe that Hogan's debut in WCW wasn't the huge success that he thought it would be. Bischoff obviously was the man looked at to blame. However, the real man to blame, you could say in a sense, would be Hulk Hogan. He used his creative control clause to his best abilities during this time in WCW history. The past year, which we covered quite extensively, was nothing but Hogan and past friends becoming successful in WCW. Well, the long stays of World Championship Wrestling, like Sting and Rick Flair were obviously getting the shaft. So now, in a sense, Bischoff was backed into a corner, and he began to investigate his competition, the World Wrestling Federation. He noticed that they are going downhill on attendance, ratings, and everything that the current WF is dropping from. He noticed a trend. Monday Night Raw, now the flagship show for the WWF, was only drawing ratings in the 2.0 range. Bischoff was shocked at that considering that his Clash of the Champions specials were drawing ratings in the 3.0 range. At this point, the WWF was very weak, and WCW had a bunch of top-named talent signed over from the Federation to showcase, like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Eric Bischoff started to think, what if we did a Monday night show too? And the thoughts kept moving, especially since he thought that the WWF's ratings would be easy to capture, along with the core WCW audience. He thought his Monday night show would be a hit, or so he would say after. That leads us to the meeting we discussed over the past two editions of the WCW 101 series. It all comes to fruition here. The meeting scheduled with Ted Turner. Again, Bischoff feeling that his back was against the wall. Him, the sole person to blame, not Hulk Hogan, 
for the downfall thus far of WCW. Bischoff made a claim of that he would consider an option that he believed Ted Turner would never agree to. Give him Monday night on TNT to compete head-to-head with Vince McMahon. He thought there'd be no way Ted Turner would agree to that. Bischoff stated this would be the change WSW needed to get them to become number one. Surprisingly, Tarek Bischoff, Turner agreed and gave him a Monday Night Show on TNT, competing directly with Monday Night Raw. Ted Turner finally gave Bischoff what he wanted, his Monday Night Show, making it his last-ditch effort to keep his job as WSW's vice president. Turner and everyone at WSW didn't think much of this show idea because they thought the WWF was still strong. Bischoff actually knew better, and he was ready to prove to the world that WSW was not only on the same level, especially now, as the WWF, but they were even better. That leads us to the Mall of America. We got our first edition of WCW Monday Nitro on September 4th of 1995. Nitro began unopposed because of the wonderful U.S. Open taking place on the USA Network. The tennis tournament shafted the WWF thus leaving an opening for WCW Nitro to take away those Raw viewers right off the bat. The show started off hot, too. The first match was the late Brian Pillman versus the always fun-to-watch Jushin Thunder Liger. Like many of their previous matches, they didn't disappoint. Many of the WWF fans at that time never even saw Liger or Pillman perform before, and they were shocked at how great they truly were against each other. This was a very smart opener to put on for fans. Great booking ideas for Nitro right away. It was a combination of Dusty Rhodes, Kevin Sullivan, and Eric Bischoff booking the show, along with Hogan's creative control out there mixed in. They also threw a Sting versus Flair match on top of it, which never disappoints, but the main event is the significant part of this first ever Nitro. Not that the match between Hulk Hogan and Ray Trailer, of course known as Big Bubba, who was the big boss man in the WWF, not to say it was a great match, but the ending was a shocker. Lex Luger walked down the aisle after the match. I think it was crucial for WCW to have Hulk Hogan on Monday Nitro. Uh, Hogan was synonymous with WWE, and I think the fact that you could see him on primetime on our show, some people that probably weren't the real hardcore viewers that knew what was going on everywhere, every week, every day, every second, would say, oh my goodness. Hulk Hogan, am I watching Nitro? Am I watching Raw? The two never became one and the same, but it certainly was a big boon for the people at Turner Broadcasting, Time Warner, to have that uh, that individual uh, kind of leading the parade for Nitro. Trying to sort all of this out here at the Mall of America on the premier edition. I don't know what's going on, Hulk Hogan. What are you doing here, Luger? You've got no business in my backyard, Luger. Well, let me tell you why I'm here. I'll make it clear right up front. I'm here for one reason and one reason only. People say that you're the number one wrestler in the world today. You wear that WCW belt around your waist. And you know what? That makes you the only world's heavyweight champion. And I'm here to take that belt 
That's why I'm here. Let me tell you something, Luger. Second, before you jump the gun, no. hold on just one second and let me finish. Then you'll have your peace. Just let me finish. I've been down the same roads as you. I've been where you've been. I've beaten the same people you've beaten. I am sick and tired of playing around with kids. I'm here to get on with the big boys, and that means you. And I don't care whether it's next month, next year, or five hold years from now. Oh, I'm going to get my it. shot. You see this, brother? This is the WCW heavyweight title, brother. I'm the champion, and that's the way it's going to stay forever and a day. I know where you've been, brother. You've been playing games. I'm going to have to give you your due, brother. I know when you started and how long you've been at it, brother. But when you come in the WCW, when you get in Hulk Hogan's face, brother, there's thousands of Hulkamaniacs, brother, that are going to stand behind me each and every bit of the way, Luger. So as far as I'm concerned, brother, as great as you may be, you don't have to prove nothing to me, brother. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till next month. Just stick that stinky palm ears out, brother. Shake my hand, and I'll put the WCW title on the line next Monday on Monday Nitro right in Miami. I'll put the title on the WCW. You got it! You got a deal right now! What about that? I'm hitting a home run. You better be. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe it. Apparently next Monday, yes, it's been confirmed. Hogan and Luger for the WCW heavyweight title. If we can keep it under wraps, Eric Bischoff, Steve McMichael, the brain. I can hardly wait till next Sunday in the meantime. From the Mall of America, have a great one. All right, I'll tell you what, you just heard it. The match has been signed. Hulk Hogan to put his WCW World Heavyweight title on the line next Monday night. Nitro coming your way from Miami. Sabu's going to be here. Michael Wall Street is going to be here. More action than you can find anywhere you go looking for. Well, you heard it up there for yourself, sports fans. Wow. If you don't tune in next week, you got to screw loose. And i tell you one thing about the Dungeon of Doom, baby. You ain't their fan no more. After that, the unmitigated gall of them jumping in there like that, brother. You're getting this stuff off. Was he in the movie, Ben? We're out of time. Thanks for joining us on this debut edition of WCW Monday Nitro on TNT. And we'll see you next week when Hogus meets Luger. He made a huge challenge to Hulk Hogan for the World Championship. This was really crazy. This was the first time on a major scale that we saw something like this happen. This was because Luger just was released from his WWF contract. His contract ran out. Negotiations were ongoing with the WWF, but he decided to leave and go to WCW. He did some WWF tapings, but this was about a month before he showed up on WCW, but and he actually finished up a few days prior on a house show competing with the WWF. So he was still surfacing on WWF shows, but now showed up on WCW Nitro. The WWF fans who were watching this were very shocked, as was everyone else watching it. It was an amazing ending, as it was right off the bat, it instantly made Nitro a must-see show. Many in wrestling the entire wrestling world began talking about WCW again. Nitro then drew a 2.5 rating, 
which was about the maximum rating for Raw at the time. Eric Bischoff made claims on DVDs and interviews and articles that he wasn't still a, he wasn't a big fan of Luger at the time. Sting got him back into WSW, signed him to what Bischoff believes to us it's a big contract, but considering the other contracts that were given away, especially to Hogan and Savage, to a very low ball offer, which Luger agreed, and he figured he'd get a coup from WWF, won't cost him that much money, and get an instant shock. It worked. Bischoff, right off the bat, checkmark, success. It should be noted here, however, that Vader wasn't a part of the early Nitros. Like I discussed in the previous edition, before War Games, they claimed that Vader went crazy and left. No, he actually got into a fight backstage with Paul Orndorff. This is where Orndorff put a pretty good beatdown on Vader as well. So we heard in the back. Vader was simply let go and went to the WWF, while Luger was brought now into WCW. Some people say, yeah, okay, it could be a talent trade, you traded one for the other, but the Luger debut was a lot more shocking than Vader entering the WWF. The huge match between Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger was a disappointment, though. The match's ending comprised of the Dungeon of Doom entering, which consisted of Kevin Sullivan and all of his monsters and sloths. They ran down for a cheap run and finish. This was the first in a series of disappointments for the early Nitros. They try to build you up, and then they let you down. Had they let some clean wins happen from the start, then maybe they would jump far ahead of the WWF right away, before their big angle. But no, every main event match until the end of 95 had the Dungeon of Doom running down. It left no incentive for the viewers to keep tuning in. You predicted the ending of every single Nitro. A couple of interesting moves through the rest of 1995 took place, though. Extreme Championship Wrestling and WSW began discussing some possible talent trading. Just to liven, up, liven things up a bit, ECW's talent pool was just incredible at the time, no pun intended. And Eric Bischoff wanted that talent. I think uh, ECW started to get noticed by WWE and WCW during the fight on Monday night, and they needed more talent. ECW was the first victim of the Monday Night War. Oh, in, uh, in August 1995... WCW stole Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko all in one swoop. I, I need to point out that one man's raid is another company's acquisition. We never raided anybody. We never raided the WWE, despite everybody's opinion to the contrary. We never raided ECW. We never raided anybody. I mean, when you think about it, did Vince McMahon raid all the local territories when he accumulated talent that made a decision that they would rather work for Vince McMahon as he was expanding his national territory as opposed to working for local promoters? Was that a raid? Certainly not in Vince McMahon's mind or certainly not in the, the minds of the people that work at WWE currently or the fans of WWE or, for that matter, mine. Did some talent leave ECW and come to WCW? Of course they did. Because, A, they probably weren't getting paid, and they had to in order to pay their bills and feed their families. And, B, they recognized that WCW was a much stronger, much more secure, much larger international platform for them to ply their trade. Did they make that choice to come to WCW? Of course they did. 
Did some of them make those choices to go to WWE? Of course they did. But that's not a raid, despite what Paul Heyman and, and others would have you think. Eric Bischoff is full of shit. And much like a lot of other people, never gave ECW the credit that ECW deserved. Eric Bischoff stole Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko from ECW in one fell swoop. Same way he signed Chris Jericho from ECW. Same way he stole the cruiserweights from ECW. And it was a smart move by Eric Bischoff to do it because he was in a competition with WWE and he had to have the talent and he found them in ECW before WWE had a chance to sign them as well. It was smart by Bischoff to do it. I just don't like the fact that he never says, yo, I stole that from ECW. Because he did. It was blatant. We sued him over it a bunch of times. I didn't think it was the right thing to do that, you know, that we would just raid, you know, his talent roster and give nothing back. We put Paul on the payroll because of, to compensate him in some way of taking a lot of the talent, you know, that he had. Uh, contrary to that, of course, was Eric Bischoff, who... You know, would take his talent as well and not give him anything. You know, so, gleefully not give him anything. <laughs> his goal was to make a show of no squash matches, which was very innovative at the time, as we saw on WWF television, wrestling challenges, wrestling challenge, superstars of wrestling, squash matches were featured, and we even saw them on Raw. Like I said, the previous Raws back then were mainly squash matches mixed in with, with some main events, but it pitted a jobber versus a regular superstar. Bischoff wanted all good matches, competitive matches, on one card. So he attacked the weak contract system of ECW back then and stole a ton of talent away. We're talking about Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Conan, Rey Mysterio Jr., Psychosis, Juventud Guerrero, and many more luchadors. This move not only put ECW in pain for losing all of the great talent, but it now gave WCW a full roster of excellent workers, besides the, you want to say, quote-unquote, old ones that they had on top already. WCW found a huge talent on their own, though, when they were developing a certain superstar or potential superstar in the power plant. We mentioned him last edition, Chapter 8. We saw him standing in the aisle by the curtain, Paul White. He was about to debut as the new Dungeon of Doom member. He was given the name The Giant and then given the tights like Andre the Giant once had. Mr. White, who would later become the big show as we all know in the WWF, he's seven foot four. Lean, mean, buffed, and jacked 360 pounds during this time. He looked like a, a big jacked up muscle guy that was seven foot four. You have a tall man, great shape, and a very mean look. He was agile, and he had a vicious choke slam on top of it. Supposedly, Hogan found him playing basketball and wanted to snack, snatch him away. He said, that's a superstar, brother. He's a little different now than the Big Show we see to this very day, even though Big Show's in better shape than he was before. He came in as a real deal. WSW noticed quickly how good the Giant truly was early on for his size, stature, and tenure in the business. Especially when you see how bad guys like the Yeti or the Loch Ness Monster were that debuted in WSW prior. With that, evil Kevin Sullivan sent out the Giant to kill Hulkamania. Of course, it was done in a stupid fashion at Halloween Havoc 95. We were alluding up to this towards the end of Chapter 8. Before the match, the two were met in a monster truck rally match. I cannot believe that we were watching this take place on our television until we saw before the matchup between Hogan and the Giant, Hogan pushed the Giant off of a building during this monster truck segment. This supposedly came from Dusty Rhodes. Their match was a disappointment, but 
someone in the back used some smarts for the next event. I say this because compared to what was done before, Halloween Havoc, picture this, fans. Hogan pushes the giant off of a building. The giant comes back in the main event, walks out like nothing happened, not a scratch on him to take on Hulk Hogan. Unbelievable, right? In the match, though, it's noted that the giant wins the WCW world title on its very first match, his debut match, after being thrown off a building. The giant wins the WCW championship. All right, fans, back on Saturday night. Tomorrow night is Halloween Havoc, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Before Hulk Hogan and the Giant, though, step in the ring, they'll be on the roof of the Cobo Arena in their own monster sumo trucks in a first-time-ever event on pay-per-view, Dream. Head-to-head. Head, bumper to bumper. action. I mean, the talking is really over. Hogan and the Giant, trucks against trucks. As Hogan now looks across that raging river into a bold new land, he might find out that that's risky business. It certainly is, fans. We are going to hear from the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. Before we do, though, here's what's happened between Hogan and the Giant up until now. The Wrath of the Giant. WCW World Champion knows it all too well. First, it was the shocking appearance in Huntington Beach, California, as he tossed his father's shirt toward the champ. Remember this? Then, only a week later, it was discovered that he was a part of the Dungeon of Doom. I am one true immortal. <laughs> Hulk Hogan declared war. A war that would lead Hogan back to the dungeon for yet another brutal, blatant attack. The Hulkster gathered his team of Hulkamaniacs for fall brawl and war games. But it was there prior to the event that the giant struck. It would be the first of many blows to the power of Hulkamania. It happened as Hogan was arriving to the arena on his cherished Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Then later the same night, as Hogan had the Taskmaster in the cage, the giant attacked again. As a result, an injured Hulk Hogan made a challenge. I'm going to build a bigger, a better, a stronger, more powerful monster truck. I'm going to get him to hook his up to mine. And I'm going to drag him around and around and around the Joe Louis Arena, brother. Because I'm setting him up in Detroit, man. And after I outpower his truck, after I embarrass him, then I'm going to put that WCW title on the line, brother. And I'm going to put him in his place, dude. But the giant, under the guidance of Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, was unstoppable as he unleashed a premeditated attack on WCW Monday Nitro Live on September 25th. Hogan witnessed the attack from his home and quickly made it clear he would confront the giant on the next live Nitro event. That Nitro event proved even more dangerous for the Hulkster. After his interview, the most vicious and horrible attack of all occurred. Oh, what is this? There's a woman with a cane. I know he's going to do it again. No, no. They're shaving off the mustache. An injured, shaved Hulk Hogan would not stay down. He went to Chicago the next week to confront the giant again. The fans were stunned as they saw the world champ as never before, dressed in black. But this time, the giant was barred from the arena and Hogan gave chase. Police kept both men apart. Then, last week, the master told of a plan of insurance for Halloween Havoc. He returned during WCW Monday Nitro to present his insurance, the Yeti. 
Later in that same program, the Giant was on the attack again when the power of Hulkamania made one final powerful statement heading toward their collision. But the Dungeon of Doom had one more surprising move. As the countdown continues to Halloween Havoc, Hulk Hogan prepares his monster truck, knowing that for the first time in his career, he must face the same man twice in one night. First, machine against machine, as the two control their sumo monster truck in an explosive battle, and then, man against man. As a determined, Hulk Hogan defends the WCW World title against the most feared and awesome competitor World Championship Wrestling has ever witnessed and must contend with what lies... His once famed manager, evil Jimmy Hart, somehow screwed Hogan out of the world title, now aligning himself with the Dungeon of Doom. As a result, due to the controversial finish of the match, the championship became vacant for the next event, World War III. World War III was significant in that Hogan would not win the championship, of course. He was eliminated in a cheap, controversial way, but it paved the way for the eventual break that he was going to get. So let's paint this picture, fans. Halloween Havoc 1995 takes place. Hulk Hogan loses the WCW title to the Giant in his debut match, becomes champion. Jimmy Hart turns his back on Hulk Hogan, joins the Dungeon of Doom, and now is the manager of those monsters. The title becomes vacant, leading us to World War III. Hulk Hogan, again at this time, noticing that the fans were not still behind him 100%. They tried to reenact the Andre Hogan feud with the Giant versus Hogan. Again, Hogan trying to replay his past historic feuds trying to regain that Hulkamania popularity in the same manner. It wasn't flying during this time. The end of 95 going into 96, Hogan needed to rebrand himself. He needed a refocus. He needed to be refocused in the right way to make himself and WCW successful. As a result, whether it was own personal reasons or WCW's decision, who knows, Hogan stepped away from World Championship Wrestling for a brief time. At World War III, Macho Man Randy Savage was declared the world champion. The Four Horsemen reformed at this event as well. When Sting trusted Ric Flair again as tag team partner, the match was Sting and Flair versus Anderson and Brian Pillman, the crazy Brian Pillman. Flair turned and reformed the Horsemen with Arn and Pillman. Let's take a look at what we saw last night. Arn Anderson and Flying Brian, it was reported earlier that they had attacked the Nature Boy Ric Flair and he was injured and we were not sure as to if he would wrestle or not. Therefore, Sting had to come to the ring by himself. And what a match it was. It was basically a one-on-two. One-on-two, Ric Flair was not anywhere to be found. Then Ric Flair made his appearance. His forehead was taped. He ran into the ring and he was waiting on Sting. As a matter of fact, he was encouraging Sting, it seemed, to make the tag. And then Sting finally did make the tag. Once he made the tag, as you see right here, brutally attacked not only by Arn Anderson and Flying Brian, but by the nature boy rick flair as well as a matter of fact they were holding sting for flair to work him over as well it was obvious then as flair peeled the tape from his forehead that it was an entire farce and at the end of course three men were really whooping it up and with that in mind let's bring my guest at this time right here to dayton ohio live the nature boy rick flair flying brian and arn anderson
sting just last night. It was a thing of beauty, Tony. The stinger, he fought for his life. He gave everything he had. And then he hit Slick Rick with the tag. Nature Boy came in, styling and profiling. And then he cut Sting's throat. The carnage that ensued has brought us one step closer to this. The symbol of excellence. Some people call us a gang. Some people call us a militia. We call it a dynasty. The greatest team on the face of God's green earth. Tony Giovanni for two years now. Everywhere I've gone, everybody's asked me the same thing. When are you going to put this back together? And I told them, be careful what you wish for. You just may get it. Now, Sting, do not hold your head down in shame. You did the impossible. You were more man than we ever believed. You fought two of the horsemen for 10 minutes. But pure mathematics and the law of physics will tell you it can't be done. So we all find ourselves today with our hand going into that familiar cramp. There's now three, soon there'll be four, and you know what that means. Tell them, Nate. Hey, brother, does it ever feel good? Somebody go get me a bag. I want to vomit. Guess what? Guess what? We're back. We're back. And whether you like it or you don't like it, learn by God to love it because it's the best thing going today. Sting, you're like a lot of women we deal with every day. We're going to tell you what you want to hear. We're going to do what we want to do. And if you don't like it, if your friends don't like it, next Monday night on Nitro, the horsemen will be in town, ready to go to work. Woo! And we'll have more after this on Nitro. Oh, my God. They needed a fourth member, though. Unlike in 1993, where they had Paul Rome as the fourth member, they saw a perfect match. That fourth member would be Chris Benoit. At the time, you could say easily the best horseman since Flair, Anderson, Blanchard, and Wyndham. The crazy thing was that the people started to cheer the horsemen at the time, who were beating up the faces, like Sting and Hogan. Shirts were selling like crazy as well. Somebody in the back realized that Flair had an awesome feud with the Macho Man in 1992. So they immediately had Flair versus Savage in a violent feud. They reenacted this rivalry. This feud saw Flair stealing Miss Elizabeth away from Savage, and it totally didn't involve Hulk Hogan, although he was on the receiving end of the classic horseman beatdowns. Even more amazing, they did an angle where Anderson began getting cheap wins over Hulk Hogan. At this time, Dusty Rhodes decided to step down as Booker and become a full-time announcer with World Championship Wrestling. Bischoff became the final decision-maker for all storylines. The two main bookers were Kevin Sullivan. He was responsible for the constant push of the Dungeon of Doom, and the other booker was Terry Taylor. Taylor was pushing for a new division back then. Since WCW had so much talent in luchadors and guys like Dean Malenko, he pushed for the cruiserweight division to develop in WCW. That he did, and some of the matches stole the show. These lightweights were 
were talented above all else, and there were good finishes to each match. Taylor would be would later be given all mid-card responsibilities as well, but the cruiserweight division made WSW stand out from the WWF. So how it worked is Taylor would be given all mid-card responsibilities while Bischoff controlled the main event. The cruiserweight division took off. The championship became so popular, we saw superstars like Chris Jericho start to debut and battle with these luchadors. Dean Malenko having a reign as WCW Cruiserweight Champion. Back and forth, the title would switch hands, leaving fans wanting more. If you threw a Cruiserweight match on a pay-per-view as the opener, it would be a hit, setting up the rest of the event. But with all this new talent in, many were shut out. Jerry Lynn was forced under a mask to be Mr. JL. Many luchadors were losing as well. Sabu's stay in WCW was a disaster and was very brief. He wasn't quite allowed to do what he did in ECW. Therefore, he was limited in a very big way. It should be noted, too, the Road Warriors returned during this time, but they were not used in a consistent manner in WCW. Some may say Sting was left out in the cold as well. After carrying WCW through the 90s, he was consistently tagging with Lex Luger, and they won the tag titles. But even after winning the championship, they never really defended those titles. Some say it was a shame that Sting was not the focus of the early years of Nitro. But in time, that would change. The only time Sting could get the spotlight was in a special match against Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was driven mad by the Dungeon of Doom for everyone turning on him. This got to the Hulkster. There was an angle where he trusted nobody. He went to the dark side. He started to wear all black, which was sort of a prototype for things to come for Hulk Hogan. Right now, it is home of Venice Beach, California. The man has gone back to his roots. Let's check in right now with none other than Hulk Hogan. Brothers, now we're back in Venice Beach. Now we've replaced Jimmy Hart with the head of the war game from Venice Beach, our main man brother. We're afraid they might not show up. We're afraid we may have thrown them off. And now that the Macho Man brother what? has came into the dark side, dude, now that he realizes that the training, the prayers, the vitamins, and the demandments are the most important thing, brother. Stick with me all the way, Macho Man. In our hit list, brother, a Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, Luger, that stinky, nasty, Gordon, Festin, Giant, and everybody will fall by the wayside, dude. Stick with me in the dark side, brother. Forever and ever, yeah. Walk in the streets just like the brother told us just a little while ago from the dark side. But, folks, how much more do you need to sacrifice? Sullivan took your mustache, Jimmy Hart ripped you between the scenes with the red and yellow, the Giant took the world. Old belt and let's move it, put you in the rack. Don't you understand? You told us that. Now, what needs to be done is this divide and conquer. You're too emotionally involved with the situation. You take the low road, I'll take the high road. Yeah. You stay now here in the dark side with the brother just like he told you before. Yeah. And I'll go to the light side, WCW Nitro, and I'll find out who's friend and foe. And then I'll let you know, do you see where I'm coming from, brother? After you find out who's friend and foe in the light, out, brother. Man. Friend and foe, me and the brother, the head of war that? times. We'll stay on the dark side. We'll stay here, brother, and we'll take care of business, dude. And now that I get the stench, now you're talking. I've been 
back in my blood, brother. What you want to say that again What right you going to do All when right. the dark side of Hulkamania destroys yeah. you? Yeah. 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 Sting, who was co-champion with Lex Luger, was always sticking up for Luger, who had some weird ties to Jimmy Hart and the Dungeon of Doom. Hogan went paranoid on Sting, saying that he'd be the next man to stab him in the back. Foolish Hogan offered a challenge to Sting for the next Nitro, which Sting accepted to prove that he's not stabbing him in the back. For some people, this was a dream match. Well, you know something, Hulkamaniacs? If you would have had this camera in front of my face, brother, one week ago, I would have said there was no light in the darkness, brother. But now after I've been tested, after I've gone through what I had to go through last Monday night on Nitro, brother, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, Oh, yeah. The first thing I got to say, now that the whole world knows it, I want you to hear from my mouth that Sting has always been a friend. Never again will I question his motives. Never again will I ever question his integrity because this man is at the top of the list and it was only my shortcomings, my paranoia. And first off, Sting, I want to say, brother, you are a friend and I will never again question you. I'm loving this. This is excellent. One thing, brother, I got to tell the whole world this too because every morning when I look in the mirror, not only do I see the mustache gone, not only do I realize that Kevin Sullivan stuck a knife in my back along with Jimmy Hart, if the WCW title would have been on the line last Monday night against the Stinger, this would be the new WCW heavyweight champion, dudes. Holster, I, the words can't describe what you just said. I mean, that makes me feel like a million dollars. But I gotta let the world know also that if you think for one second that the Stinger wasn't sweating bullets about that big to walk up against the Holster, you got another thing coming because I was nerved out of my mind. Thank well, you know something, brother. I appreciate Woo. that, but the things are the way they are. But there's one thing going down, man. On Nitro, brother, coming up. This Monday night, even though World War III is tomorrow night, at least I know you're on my side. What's That's got right. me over the edge? Not World War III, because we can handle that, brother. But on Monday Nitro, coming up this Monday, I'm not questioning you, brother. I don't really know why, but you can put me at peace with myself and all the Hulkamaniacs if you would tell me what's going on between you guys. What do you owe this brother, and why are you teaming up with Lex Luger, dude? Why, why, why is the world asking me about Luger? You said it. You shook my hand. We are friends. Am I right or am I wrong, Holster? You're right. Brother. There's a bond there forever and ever, and nothing will destroy it. That is Luger thing. There's no spell that he's got on me, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. End of discussion. It's just the way I want to play the game right now. But as far as you and me go, we're like this forever. One thing, brother. Now that you've told me you and I are tight, your thing with Luger is your thing. Just walk cautiously, my friend. I will. And watch your back on night. I will. Watch your back. Stinger is here to stay. The match was very interesting with the face pops going mainly to Sting. They both hit their famous moves to fire up the crowd like they do against any heel. Sting whipped Hogan in the Scorpion Deathlock, and Hogan was screaming to Macho Man, he's gonna break it, Macho. Fans were screaming, but guess what was the ending? The Dungeon of Doom ran in. 
a missed opportunity to really jump ahead of Raw with a shocking loss to Hogan. This is where they thought they'd see Sting beat Hogan to show he is the man to lead WCW, or he is your go-to guy. But Dungeon of Doom run in. The Dungeon and Hogan War came to a close near Uncensored 1996. Kevin Sullivan went out and found two Hollywood actors. One was the artist formerly known as Zeus from No Holds Barred. And the other, oddly named The Ultimate Solution, who was the actor who played Bane in the Batman and Robin movie, the first incarnation. The Ultimate Solution was one buff man, and WSW painted his face up as well. He looked like a legit bad man. Uh, this bad dude. But in reality, he was just an actor. What? what? Who is that? Look at that oh, man. Oh, 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 oh. They get bigger and uglier as they come. Oh, my gosh. Oh, what? my gosh. Oh, look at these two behemoths. Is this the backup he was talking about? It has to be. It has to be. Look at the size. Just think about that cage. Think if they're going to get in that cage. They locked the door. Four cages. Look at Four the stories th- in the air. Look at this psycho. Oh, Look oh. at the size of this guy. Kevin Sullivan, you've outdone yourself. You've gone to ghouls or us. That's I don't right. know where you've gotten this crew from, That's, that's right, Mega Powers. Just wait for Uncensored, baby. Just wait. Hogan. What is that? Savage. What is is that? The booty man. Do something about it. Hogan is leading with with Savage. The cowards have turned tail. What did they get? Those two behinds. It's got nothing to do with it, Hayden. They've got a bad schedule, and they're going to do that. speech i see fear in their bodies and i don't blame them look at that man look at him uncensored one word comes to mind uncensored wsw then debuted the doomsday match there was three levels of cages that hogan and savage had to fight through it was filled with horsemen and dungeon of doom members including two actors we mentioned zeus and the ultimate solution it was very disappointing The whole event was disappointing. The debut of these two monsters slash actors didn't really do the trick for Uncensored 96. Hogan and Savage got out of the cage early in the match to fight around the arena, then got back into the cage to escape it. It was just a badly booked match, but it was Hulk Hogan's last ride in WCW. Yes, it is Hulk Hogan's last ride in WCW for a long time. We would see a different version of Hulk Hogan in the months to come. Without Hogan now, WCW's angles and wrestling was different, and some could say it was enjoyable at times. More enjoyable when Hulk than when Hulkamania debuted. There was great cruiserweight action, the horsemen were cool to the fans, and it was a much better program to watch before the Dungeon of Doom run-ins. There was an interesting angle, some say it was funny, between Flair and the Giant, where Ric Flair and the Giant would tag up for some interesting matches against Sting and Lex Luger. In the second match, Flair accidentally threw hot coffee on the Giant. After the contest, the Giant challenged Flair to a world title shot. The following week, we were treated to a great match on Nitro, Flair versus the Giant. Flair used Woman and Miss Elizabeth to cheat 
<laughs> to get past the giant. It actually worked on the monster, and Flair started working on the leg. It was strange to see this legend getting the best of a really large and fierce guy, a newcomer, on the giant. Flair, thinking that he worked the leg enough, slapped the figure four leg lock to the giant. But the big man reached over with his paw, grabbed Flair's neck, got out of the figure four, and chokeslammed him. One, two, three. We have a new world champion. After a great match, WCW's developed star is now the real champion. He was pretty good for his, technically it was his first real run with it, but it was a second reign. He made a strong, respected champion. One thing you must consider is that the WWF was stepping it up at the time WCW was getting stronger, after Hogan's vacation. They started to put better matches on television, dropping a lot of the squash matches, making it more competitive. Plus, they had some strong hype for WrestleMania at the time which also helped. At this time, it was neck and neck between both promotions. But you can say WCW was stronger as they had the better talent, better season talent. All WCW needed was something to put them over the top so that the weak WWF, they were very weak at this time, even though they were competing neck and neck, they could feel the wrath of WCW. They needed something new, innovative, fresh, and groundbreaking. And in July of 1996, we saw just that in WCW as a series of events took place that would change world championship wrestling forever. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. I have a question for my old school friends and family. Are you members of the network yet? No, not that network. The High Spots Network. The best in independent wrestling Today, the High Spots Wrestling Network is your home for all things wrestling. Stream your heart out with the best videos in independent wrestling today. Full events featuring PWG, NEW, PWX, WSU, CZW, $5 Wrestling, and much, much more. If you're a fan of shoot interviews, this is the network for you. Catch original series such as The Kevin Steen Show, Old School with Steve Carino, Best Friends with Chuck and Trent, documentaries, matches, women's wrestling, and so much more. No limits. Watch unlimited streaming videos anytime, anywhere, from any supported device. There is tons of content enjoy over 500 videos over 1400 hours of professional wrestling the exclusive access level is for subscribers only and that access gives you exclusive video content via the official roku app for the high spots wrestling network it's available in the roku store all for just 9.99 no commitment cancel at any time go sign up now at www.highspotswrestlingnetwork.com become a member of the largest independent wrestling network on the internet today You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at btbcast.com. Go old school with Beyond the Bell.
Well, old schoolers, we close the book on Chapter 9 and get ready as Chapter 10 of the story behind WCW takes you to the highest point in the company's history as we relive the hostile takeover by the NWO. The New World Order is born in our next edition of Beyond the Bell. This edition's content courtesy of Soli's Vintage Wrestling, the Mid-Atlantic Gateway, DDT Digest, Legacy of Wrestling, IW Headlines, as well as the PW Torch and the Wrestling Observer. Audio courtesy of YouTube, High Spots, the WWE Network, WWE.com, as well as the WWE DVD releases, the rise and fall of WCW, and the history of the World Heavyweight Championship. Get ready, my old school fans. The NWO arrives and takes over Beyond the Bell in Chapter 10. Until then, this is your old school host, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bell. Remember to always keep it old school, my friends.